Women Bridging the Gap is a freewheeling conversation podcast co-hosted by myself, Lenya Wilson, a black woman, and Alexandra Titalia, a white woman. Today on the podcast, everybody, we have one of my oldest friends from San Francisco, but hails from New York City. She currently lives in Havana, Cuba. And she is a writer, a journalist, a community activist, a community builder, owns a literary bookstore cafe in Havana. That is a community for everyone in Havana, but also is an English language bookstore. Is that, does that cover it all? That covers enough. Hi guys. Hi, Danya. <laughs> Hi, Alex. Hi. Women so nice to gap. meet you. Oh my God. I feel like I know you though. I know after, you know, listening to the podcast and doing the, I remember the Facebook, Facebook, Facebook live, you know. Do that again. We have to do that again. That was a cluster. We're not doing that again until it's, we're better organized. Everyone look at the historic bridging, women bridging the gap, uh, tarot and wine. It's <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> These are beautiful <laughs> women. We have so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about with Connor, but... I thought we would really start with really just talking about the hell that Connor's been through. Because I was like, Connor, we can talk about anything. I was like, we can get really depressed and talk about all your coverage of COVID over no. the past year. Like she didn't no. want to be like, no. Then I was like, okay, well, we could talk about race in Cuba. No. Because she's, that's too complicated. She doesn't want to do that. She can't do that in an hour. So, so then we were like, well, why don't we just talk about the experience of being like, a foreigner in two lands, but also a, a native in both lands, really, at this point. Yeah, and I say no, but I can but talk then you about say COVID. No about- I can talk about Cuba Libro. I can talk about the depressive stuff. I'm just kidding when I say no. I mean, we Why can- don't we talk about joyful things, though? We, don't, we always talk about so much pain. Let's talk about joy. You're here. I like it. And and Cuba is a very joyful place. Like people who haven't been there and go, they're like, wait a minute. I was expecting the North Korean, you know, they got the things yep. to get their neck up, you know, <laughs> and the, whatever. Like I was expecting lockstep and, you know, everyone just dour and people get there and they're like, wait a minute, these people, what, what are they putting in the Wheaties? Cause there's some kind of happy stuff on there because, you know, and of course, not everybody's happy and there are tons of problems and I don't want to minimize um, the real problems that are happening, but it is a myth that it's, you know, this kind of unjoyful place. It is a very joyful place and you've been there, Alex. So yeah. I mean, you can, you know, I just remember, well, I went in, I thought, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, get Connor's view of Havana, which I was so excited. And I did don't get me wrong, but here's the thing, like going into that cafe, she's the owner Right. And so she goes in, she's a small business owner. So she's basically living there and we walk in and she's, Oh, we'll only be here a couple of hours. And meanwhile, though, I'm sit down and she's just, you know, people come talk to you. I was like, nobody's going to come talk to me. My Spanish is awful. We're going to have to speak in English in order to really communicate. But here's the thing, like Cubans are so educated. Most of them speak pretty good English. And even when it's not, they have a more fear. They're more fearless than I am in trying to communicate in English. And so I just sat there and a whole day went by and it's people would just come and say, Oh, you're Connor's friend. You live in Los Angeles. And then all of a sudden I'm having 
conversation about art, conversation about music. And all of a sudden, sorry to cut you off, but all of a sudden the hot Cuban men are like, who's your friends? <laughs> a lot of crush, crushes happening all over there in the patio with, and still to this day, they're like, how's Alex Italia? <laughs> I'm like, Alex Italia is good. And you know, they're friends on Facebook and things like that. I'm like, she's good. She's good. She's Not the beautiful one. Not she's the beautiful one. There was this beautiful man there, the chef guy. I like, I had, yeah, I took yeah. surreptitious pictures of him because I was like, he's just the most beautiful man I've ever he's seen. He's one of my best friends. Shout out to us, Bell. He's a chef oh, and a, tass- oh, chef and a God, tattoo artist. Hilarious. His English isn't that good. He's not good. He was a little snooty. He was like, I know I'm the hottest thing on the planet. And he was like sitting in his fedora, having a conversation. He's not snooty. Oh my God. I was just so shy. I was like, all of a sudden I was 14. Like, I was just like, I, he's so... He's super hot. He's so super hot. There were so many beautiful people though. Cuba does have that kind of, it is the truth. Another thing, let me just uh, like- You have to have high self-esteem to go there. Everybody- No, but but (laughs) meanwhile, the standards of beauty are different. Yes. And so, you know, full figured is the ideal. But that's true in LA. No, it's not. Kardashian full figure, come on. That's a small group. I'm talking Lycra in, you know, where you can see the cellulite. Yeah. Yeah. Like I put on 10 pounds here. Like I am not, I've struggled in Cuba because I'm, I've got the boy body. Right. And Cubans are like, she is my body. I say, falta carne. Donde esta la carnita? Where do you have the meat? Where's the meat? You know? And I had a Cuban woman say to me, cause it would get, people would say, you know, you need to put meat on your bones cause you're not going to get a man, you know, like stuff like that, you know? And I was talking to a Cuban woman and she's like, honey, the next time someone says that to you, you just say, yeah, well, men like to suck the bones too. <laughs> oh <my laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> and so there's this different, you know, standard of beauty. And right now in Cuba, there are real shortages with food, real, they're doing great. They've got five vaccine candidates. They're rolling out free whole population vaccinations, but there's a problem with the food. A lot of that has to do with the embargo by the U S but when I came up here, because I had to come up here to renew my passport because the embassy is closed as well for all intents and purposes in Havana, the U S embassy that's Trump did that. And one of my goals when I was up here is to put on weight, which is easy to do in America. Within, Within two weeks, I had put on 10 pounds. And luckily my sister is like Eric, like Alex's partner, a provider. She loves to cook. And I'm like, I'll do every single dish. I'll all the cleanup. uh, That's all me. You you just cook. You do you. I'm loving it. And when I, you know, I do video calls with my husband in in Havana and I'm like, honey, I put on 10 pounds and he's, I cannot wait. And I was like, I even have cellulite. And he's, I love it. So, you know, it's a different world. It's a different world. So I am dying to go. I am dying to go. It's just not, I mean, I have an Australian passport, so I know it'll be easy. Oh yeah, totally. You got a place to stay. You got your place. You know, I'm going to make, I'm going to make that. I'm going to actually manifest that. I'm going to make that a reality very soon. So, all right, wait a minute. So I have a question. How is the beauty ideal about wrinkles there? Okay. So black don't crack. Well, aren't you lucky? Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) I had a conversation with a U.S. friend up here and the issue came up because first of all, there's a saying in Cuba, que no tiene Congo, tiene carabali, which means that everyone's got a drop of African blood. 
because mm-hmm. it's so mixed. And the, so that's like a daily saying you can say to any Cuban, que no tiene Congo. And they'll be like, tiene carabali. You know, like everyone's got a drop. And so the topic came up with a friend up here. And I was like, oh no, you know, you can't tell an, an older black woman. She could be 40. She could be 65. Yeah. You don't know how old she is. And my friend up here was like, that doesn't sound right, Connor. That sounds racist. And I'm like, I'm just telling you what my Cuban friends and I, like my Cuban friends of color, because everyone is basically of color. To one extent, it's the whole spectrum. You have people of every different color. And then you've got Chinese mixed in there. You've got Haitian, lots of Haitian, but lots of African, mostly Angola, Nigeria. Anyway. Way back when, slavery, all that. But there is, you know, we talk about it in Cuba, about how skin ages differently. It's a brutal climate and the sun wreaks havoc. But anyway, wrinkles. But are they considered beautiful? Like, does is aging, like in France, aging is there is, right, aging. I, so You're I went, elder. You're respected. So I did go and get my rosacea lasered. So my nose isn't so red. And, you know, I go to a place that's cheap. I don't go to a nice place. So, but it's on the West side. So it caters to middle-class West siders who want to pretend they're rich. Right. So it looks like a spa. That doesn't sound like you. Oh, it's not me at all. Like I go and it's, but I mean, but I was like, this is affordable. I've been going like for years now, like every three years I go for the last 10 years so I go, but then they're always trying to upsell me on other stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm really okay. I don't need, I don't need Botox. I don't need that. I'm really fine with the rest of me, you know, just take the redness and the broken capillaries out of my face. And so what's funny though, is like this, everybody looks alien because they all have the forehead, even 30 year olds. Right. And so I had a 30 year old like doing the treatment and she's, so what are you going to do about your scar? And I was like, honey, that's not a scar. That's just my thinking line. (laughs) I love it to try to get rid of it. I was like, so, and she's like, well, we can do Botox. I was like, I don't like how Botox looks. And she's, you don't like how I look. And now I was like, shit, she's got this laser on me. (laughs) And I'm like, well, to each their own, but I'm really happy. You know, I, I really stand for being my age. I don't want to look younger. I just don't like wearing makeup and I want to stay. I don't want to have to wear foundation or anything to even do out my Do you do some kinds of procedures, Lania? I mean, here we are in LA and... I apparently have the worst skin routine in the world. It's funny. I went to, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, I got to do something because my I, I have really bad dark circles and things like that. So I went to Kiehl's. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And I and the woman goes, so what's your routine? I'm like, oh, so you know, I don't use soap on my face. I haven't used soap on my face in 20 years, and I just rinse off. I throw some like jojoba oil, and then at night I rinse off again and put on some cocoa butter. And she's looking horrified at me. <laughs> that's <laughs> a great plan, though. I mean, that's the simplest. This, this, this is what I've been doing for like years. I mean, I, I don't, don't wash my face with soap either. I just wash it with water. Yeah, I mean, and so apparently. She was horrified. And then, and what really came down to it, she was like, I don't think we can help you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Then she didn't upsell you. Because I was like, I don't want to spend more than this. I don't want to have a really intense skin routine because I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm, you know, 53 years old. I look fine. You look great. 
Yeah. Thank you. And I was like, I, I said that, you know, that what ages me is my hair, not my skin. So let's, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to try something new. And she's like, I don't think we can help right. you. There's I'm in the wrong that we, place. Yeah. Get and, the hair place. <laughs> but by the I way, could, you're stretching that out frownies. So the woman, the 30 year old woman, there's a, there's, it's probably from the fifties, but it's called frownies. And there it's tape. It it's, looks like masking tape, but it's it, like you just wet it. It's like paste and you like sleep with a little piece of paper. I'm not sleeping with a little piece. Of I got to oh say, my God, that's, did you do that, Alex? Oh, of course I tried it. You know me, I'll try anything. I was just like, all right. I, just, I mean, sticking a piece of tape on my did face. How hard could that be? I got to say I'm too, my laziness knows no bounds. So, I mean, I did it and I'm like, if I cared enough, that would really work. So, I mean. If we do a photo shoot for the podcast, no. I'll probably do a frowny the night. Maybe I'll just use the frowny for the photo shoot and I'll just have the tape <laughs> on. Makeup on tape. <laughs> but no, this, like, I'll use it the night tape. before. But yeah, no, like I'm lazy. I don't, I well, love you going know. and buying all the shit because I like, it looks like magic. Like these little magical formulas and I'm going to do all this. And then I'm like, it's, I'm in the morning. I mean, I still haven't brushed my teeth because I forgot and it's 11. Yeah, same. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to put what is my morning routine going to look like if I forget to brush my teeth? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, this tape that you can put in your so it's like it's tape on a string and you can put it like this. Right. So you're it it kind of holds everything up and the the string goes from side to side and, uh, and it gets hidden in your hair. And that gives you like a facelift for the day. (gasps) <gasps> oh my god that's so effing weird i know and you and and the thing is the tape is clear so if you put makeup over it you don't even see it and i didn't know anything about this until working at the wig store some woman came in she's trying on wigs and i can see sort of like way over here as she's trying on the wigs the tape and i i, I you know me i'm like what what is that <laughs> she explained it to me and i guess my face was like horrified She's like, no, it's really, it's so easy. And I'm just like, why the fuck would you do that? Oh my God. You bring up a really interesting thing that happens in Cuba because, you know, we have got this U.S. embargo, right? So there's sanctions, Um, U.S. sanctions. They're stronger than ever. And even in good times, like after Obama came and things started loosening up and stuff, there's a huge demand for products for people of color mm. and there are none, you know, there are no products. Anyway, you guys are talking about products. I'm like, Alex, all those magical things you buy and try, send them to me when you're, you know, whatever. I don't care that, you know, don't send me the used tape ones, but whatever you just don't want to use, send it to me because we're, it's soap and water, you know, and women are desperate for any kind of beauty products and especially black Cubans because hair is different. Skin is different. Yeah. My friends are like, Connor, bring us lotion. We're getting ashy, you know? And then all yep. the men, like the men are like, I have male friends who are like, Connor, you have to bring me lotion. You're not going to understand because you're white, but just bring me the lotion. And I'm like, okay, okay. fine. I'll bring you some lotion. And now we're going to send care packages. Yeah. And, but now what's happening with private business is they're private entrepreneurs. You're allowed to have a private business. And they're all of these businesses that have been started by black women, black communities, and whatever it is, like, this is what our community needs. 
And they're all different kinds of businesses. And a lot of them are beauty oriented, soaps and oils and hair care products and also workshops. Okay. So how can you treat your hair with the products that we have? The going natural. I have a lot of friends in Cuba who are like, fuck it all. This is me. And so you're seeing this whole kind of, and we're, there's this kind of joke that Cuba is always 10 years behind everything else. Right. Mm. So when it's not just Cuba, it's not just Cuba, Australia, other places, Australia is still in the eighties. Okay. And it's really, it's exciting to see needs being met by the community and their black owned businesses. It's just wonderful to see and empowering and how COVID has helped people like, okay, we can make these products and then deliver them. So we're in shutdown or whatever, but through bike messengers and things like that, we'll, you know, we'll design our website. People have taken this, you know, past year to become digitally more sophisticated and offering their products for sale. And that's something that's happening in Cuba that is really exciting. And it's hopefully we'll just keep on growing. And we've participated. The cafe is, as Alex mentioned, is like a community center. And so we get a lot of, well, before COVID, this is all before COVID because we're still shut down. The cafe is shut down, but still alive and well. But you always have a big bowl of condoms for people to take. Free condoms. We've given out out over since we were founded in 2013 and we've given out over 80,000 condoms for free. And we do all kinds of workshops, menstrual cups with Cuban women explaining like it's different, but they work. They're phenomenal. And so they're eco-friendly. We distribute, you know, free menstrual cups, but with an instructional, you know, workshop, this is how they work and how you take care of them and people speaking from firsthand experience. But also we get donations of books and magazines because we're a bookstore. And so we actively curate books that we want to be able to carry. And so we are upping our game with all kinds of, you know, when George Floyd was murdered and Cubans are very, they feel a lot of solidarity and a lot of pain, you know, to see their, you know, brethren and sisters and, you know, victims of the systemic racism and things. So upping our game, like having more books on that theme on systemic racism in the U.S. by Black authors and also magazines. And I can remember a woman coming in and she said, we're running a workshop and having a festival on natural hair and we're having a fashion show and things. And I was wondering if you had magazines that, you know, we can share with people during the events and everything. And it just so happened that we had gotten a stack of magazines for black women, beauty magazines and hair and all that kind of stuff. And so we're always looking for donation opportunities. How can we collaborate with folks that are doing different events and things? Well, if you have a website, Connor, we should put that in the show notes so that we can get people to start, our listeners to start donating things to, you know, shipping things to you that they have. I mean, for sure, I'm going to come up with a care package of, I'm going to talk to this place that does beauty hair stuff because I totally love my hair care products. And see if she can donate a whole bunch of hair. Actually, she would love, I'm sure she Well, your hair story is interesting because you're natural now, but when I met you. But see, when you met me, it wasn't that I wasn't natural. I still had, I still didn't have chemicals in my hair. I just straightened it with heat. But my hair story goes back even further. In Australia, I had no one to do my hair. 
because there was when I arrived, there were very few black people. And so I used to wear my hair in braids all the time and it started falling out. And then this man came from Cuba to Australia and he could relax hair. So I started relaxing my hair again nightmare. Hair was just falling out all over the place because I hadn't been used to it. And so I just decided after three years that I was going to stop and I was going to go natural and I shaved my head. You did? Yeah. Well, that's called the big chop. Okay. She wants to shave her head. Okay. So yeah, I shaved my head and I started again. I've done it now couple of times because I I shaved it recently because I thought my gray hair was going to all grow in gray, right? And that I was just going to go gray like that. And it would be easier for me to manage if my hair was all gray than to have this half black, half gray hair. And so I shaved it again for that and nightmare. Anyway, so it didn't do that. But the first big chop, I shaved all the perm bits out of my hair and I went natural. It was the toughest five years of my life because I have always had super long hair and it was just so tough to see myself as a woman with no hair on my head. But I got through it. I came to the United States. I decided to keep my hair natural, but it was so long. And I started seeing a hairdresser here who that straightened my hair with heat. My hair can't handle the heat. So it started quickly falling out again. Mm. So you had to do it again. Yeah. So I had to cut my hair again. And but I was still dying it then. But you, when you met me, my hair was so long. Actually, by, but by the time I ended up cutting it, my hair was halfway down my back. Wow. It's hair. Is, well, so two things. Like one, I do think this is something that white people, again, not, I don't want to, you know, we're going to, this is a happy episode, but I remember this is years ago, but teaching a woman, it's when I did LSAT prep, like this is a hundred years ago. And this black young black woman didn't have very good LSAT scores. So she wasn't looking at going to a very good law school, but she was recruited by University of Wisconsin at Madison. And I was like, that's one of the best law schools in the country. So your life, the trajectory of your life, if you go there is going to look one way. But if you stay in San Francisco and go to like my alum, you know, it's going to look another way, not better or worse. Well, but maybe better, you know, because if you want to have a fellowship easily at the ACLU, that's going to come out of Madison. If you want to hustle and kick in back doors to get that same job, you know, you can go to Golden Gate. It's your choice. So she went to Madison and she loved the school, but then she walked around Madison. And then we had, we met at Cafe Beer in Western Edition and she's, I, I can't go. And I was like, why you love the school? She's there's nowhere for my, there's nowhere to do my hair. And I was like, and it was like this moment. It's again, it's that moment of, Oh yeah. But wait, were you like judgy? No, no, not at all. It was just something I hadn't really thought of. I was like, all right, you know, you're going to be a minority there for sure. You, You know, you grew up in Oakland life. It looks one way. And I, but then we've all talked over again about just moving out of your comfort zone, even you have a weird three years, that weird three years, you're going to look back on it. You're going to have grown from it. So, but I was like, no, if there's no place to get your hair done, there's no place to get your hair done. You know, it's, but it's un- probably even wider than that, Alex. She probably wouldn't have been able to find makeup. There was, there, it would have been like the only thing that I wish I had known at the time. And this was before, this is so long ago is before my sister was living in Wisconsin that, you know, it's actually, you know, only an hour and a half 
drive to Milwaukee, which mm. has a big black population. Yeah. And there are pockets even closer to with, you know what I mean? There would have been community. Do you know what I mean? For well, her to do it's it. much and more she, than that. It's much more than the hair, right? No, yeah, it's so much no more than the hair. my hair done in Madison. And yeah, meaning there's no, I don't no, know the yeah. community. Right. Well, but I disagree with that. She didn't know because there is going to be some ba- black population at Madison. She probably was a black law students association. I, I take issue with that. That's a lot of assumptions that I disagree but, with. It's still but, hard for that single black person to go and break into those. Oh, and it's, it, that's like a mental hurdle that sometimes but I am say, that she young, didn't end up going to law school. So, oh. you know. Yeah. Well, this takes me to a story that I wanted to talk to you about. How funny. So I get to talk to you about it on the podcast. You know how I feel about white women with braids. Yes. And just so happens that this woman came into my shop and we were talking, she had braids, but you know, I'm not being judgy. I'm not saying anything. This is the new Lenya. And so I, we're chatting, she's trying on some things and I don't know how she figured it out. She was French. I don't know how she figured it out, but she asked me, have you lived for some time in Australia? And I said, yeah, I spent good 20 years in Australia. And she goes, I can hear this inflection in your voice. And I was like, oh, okay. And then she, and she asked me how did I like Australia? And I went, no, I couldn't stand it. I probably would have killed myself if I had stayed another couple of years. And I said, and I'm not probably, and I'm not really, and I'm not being like, I'm not saying that in jest that I, I totally felt like I was on the verge of doing something really bad if I continued to stay there. And she was like, why? It's such a beautiful place. I said, well, there's hardly any black people. There's not really any community. I couldn't get my hair done, couldn't get makeup. I couldn't, everything that I had to buy for myself, for my personal use that in order to, you know, to groom myself was an overseas purchase where I would pay more in shipping than the actual items. And it just was, it just, you know, that was one of the big things. But I said that there was just so much, there, there were so many things that would happen to me, microaggressions that would happen to me on a daily basis that just made my life so hard. And I was like, and and she was like, what do you mean you can't do your hair? I can get my hair done everywhere. Like very flippant about it. And I, and I just, I looked at her and I looked at her braids and I was like, Oh God, the old Lenya wants to come out and tell her what was you should have. No, I'm in a shop. I can, I'm trying. So I'm trying. Yeah. But here's the thing. Okay. So here's the thing. And she's French. So it's not an, she's not American and American, I would have gone off on, but she was French. I felt like there's a different culture that I don't know and don't understand. It's true. But can't you like, so this is like when we were talking yesterday that my professor hat, I always just go to the place of intellectual curiosity. So what I'll, you know, like you could have inquired, well, do you see that there's a difference between your hair texture and my hair texture and that it isn't really the same? Or you could have asked questions in a way that wouldn't have put this person on the defensive, but maybe would have opened her eyes. that assumes that I cared enough about her opinion. Doesn't it get tiring, like trying to educate? Trying right, to not your job. Oh, I'm I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. Yeah. And there's some people. This past there's some year. people for whatever reason cross your path, and you're like, okay, let's talk about this. You know, like it feels. Or maybe I froze worth it. I, your story is very interesting. That particular anecdote is very interesting for a variety of reasons. But what I would point out to 
anyone listening to this podcast and, and especially women, young women is what Lenya said about, I lived in Australia for 20 years and I felt that if I stayed for two, a couple of years more, it would have been, I would have ended my life for sure. Uh -huh. For sure. It would have ended your life for sure, which is horrible. The point is the takeaway for me is she made change. Right. She recognized, and a lot of people are afraid of change. And I've invested 20 years in Australia and I've got my life here and I've made these decisions, whatever they were that brought me here, et cetera. And a lot of people, I think, feel like it's a failure, like you couldn't stick it out or whatever it is. And the important thing is like, when you need to make change, you make change. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And for well, your better. I, had to, I left my son. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I left my son there. My son still lives there. And I know in my heart that when he starts a family and all, I'm going to have to travel back and forth that I, but I just could not live there anymore. And I, I can't, even if something happens right now and we get another Trump boy and I have to leave this country, I will not go back there. The thing is that you're the least afraid of change. Oh, I don't yeah. think myself as afraid of change either, but I mean, a and neither is Connor. Though, yeah, yeah, no, it's true. But you, like, so Lenya's first house was in Silver Lake. They hated it. They hated the house and they didn't like the neighborhood. And they're like, all right, we're moving. And then they bought a house and they didn't really like, that wasn't really working either. And she's like, all right, we're moving again. So you've moved three times in five years. Yeah. And are you um, in your forever home now? I'm in my forever home. I don't want to leave. Okay. We're going to actually. We're gonna... In the last home. So shh. Yeah. But the first, in that last place. The, the, the day after I moved in that cat situation. Yeah. You're right. I remember right? So that was the first, that was the first thing. And then it took a little while for me to realize how toxic the neighborhood was until like the cops get called on me for running. And, you know, I don't know my neighbors. They say horrible things. My husband had an issue. Like it just, it, it kind of grew into this, like, we have to get out of here situation, you know? And now I have the most amazing neighbors. So amazing. They're my bubble. My, they've been my COVID bubble. Mm, yeah. And I, when out. we went on lockdown, I had known these people for three weeks. Yeah. Don't you think that's weird? Like people buy homes and you don't go knock on all the neighbor's doors. Like I, I thought about that when I moved here, I was like, why didn't we knock on all our neighbor's doors just to get sort of a an idea feeling because you've just spent so much money, you yep. know, and you're going to put so much work into a house. And what if all your neighbors suck? That's like, a beautiful thing about Cuba. You know, your neighbors are your support system. Like what you're saying, you, uh, we've known them three weeks and then COVID happened and it's your bubble. And in Cuba, because so much of it is survival, your neighbors are part of your safety, your social safety mm -hmm. net. And it's wonderful. You know them well, it cuts both ways, right? Yeah. Because then they're gossiping about you and, yeah. you know, all well, that's of that. Like that too. Right. Yeah, that my, too, but I don't care. Like loves her. So, you know, she came from Chicago, Baltimore, Chicago, loved her apartment in Chicago. And then when they moved up to Wisconsin, you know, she would keep the screen door open because it was summer and like people would just pop by, you yeah. know, and yeah, my sister, yeah. my, and they would say hi. And my sister took to, she's like, fuck this. Close the door. She would hide. 
she was like, I'm from New Jersey, man. I, I want anonymous. I want a little anonymity. I don't want the hello. Everybody saying hello. Everybody knowing my business. My sister like hid in her house, like to avoid pop-ins. And They're now like, she's one of those car. people, right? No, no. <laughs> my sister still, no, the door is closed. There's not a screen door. You knock. Hopefully you text first. Like I don't <laughs> need. And then sometimes she's, you know, duck. Well, those people are going to talk to us and I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> so, and it's true. Like it is this, like we went to town and, you know, we had like a drink at the cool bar and it was a really nice bar and we had a drink and a little cheese plate and everybody's coming over and saying hello. And she's just, she's exhausted. She's, but it is, but I say that. And then also though, like we were doing some, she's, I need to find somebody to pick up the kids today and like easy peasy and neat. So yeah. I mean, it's a plus and a negative. I still tend to be a very urban. I don't really want to know my neighbors that well. Like I want to know them. I met some of her neighbors yesterday. She probably knows more neighbors than I do. I love, I have, I know my neighbors, but I separation. I want to do my weird shit and not feel like somebody's watching me. Yeah. But they're doing um, their weird shit. Yeah. Yes. I want to watch yeah. them do their weird <laughs> shit, but I don't want anybody to watch me do my weird shit. <laughs> Like I know that. they. I know they all uh, know my weird shit because they watch when I'm working out. And well, I'm, no, I mean you work out with your garage door, door open, door and open, your, your booty shorts, and they're like, mm-hmm. "What is that woman doing?" Slapping herself, singing. And well, singing. I gotta say, my next door neighbor is across the street. Eddie, he's this. You know, he's. He, I mean, I swear to God, just think Staten Island. But big guy, I, everybody's on this podcast is gonna think, "What do you have against Staten Island?" But it's you know. <laughs> I think New Jersey in the eighties then, but it's sort of like he wears the board shorts, the long board shorts, no top, he's a little necklace, beefy guy, shaved head. He put his whole gym outside on the front porch. So he's got all the heavy weights he's lifting on the front porch and he blasts um, the Bee Gees. <laughs> and so loud that I'm in my backyard. I'm like, Eddie's working out. And this is during the, the, the worst of the shutdown. And I was complimenting no gym. And Eric's like, just go work out with Eddie. <laughs> and I was like, I'm a little shy. I'm a little shy to do that. I'm not going over there to say Eddie. I'm sure he would have said yes, work out. But I was like, no. Because, yeah. Oh, I thought it would be the Bee Gees that would be like, if you're, if you're undoing. Like, you know, anything to 70. I yeah. danced back here. I don't mind like the noise. I was like, oh my God, it's the Bee Gees. It's staying alive. Or then <laughs> I have the tiger. Surviving. <laughs> We're going to the way back. We're going to the eighties in New Jersey. (laughs) You don't hear much Bruce Springsteen here, but you know, it's, it has been interesting how COVID has changed our relationships with people because like these girls across the street, like any other time I would have been like, Oh, these bitches, but I've gone to know them. They've come over. I've actually, they're really lovely people. One of them is the one that is going to go to Southwestern. So she will be. Oh, so you're going to have her contact me, right? Yes. But you know, had I not just opened up a little bit, I would have been like, Ugh, cause you know. Oh my God. I hope she likes me. I always hate when people are like, oh, this person is going to come. And then they'll be like, oh my God, I hate that bitch, Professor Detalia. But <laughs> She won't. There's not a, per- there's not a student of yours ever. Past You've run into students future. of mine, right? You've yes, run into- and they oh, all love you. No one talks she- bad about her. Over coffee ever. this morning. She's like, what I woke up to. And they're, lo- they're people that are talking about her on their Instagram feed about she's my hero. 
she's <laughs> fighting. I think about her every day. And it was ticked off by a woman, a former student, who was talking about how I had this professor, didn't mention her name. I had this professor and she said, what was it that stuck with the woman? Um, she was like, uh, she asked me like, what was one word that like, you know, was the most important word. And for, for Alex personally. Right. Alex, Alex for, and Aman was expecting something like what everybody says. Love, like, success. Love, success. And I said freedom. And she was like, I think about that. Every time. day. And then so, it was weird. Like a whole bunch of people were like, I totally know who you're talking about. It's huge ego stroke. Yeah, just all of them talking about her saying that she's my hero. Et cetera, et cetera. So, so yeah, so shut neighbor, up. Out. neighbor is going to love. Yeah. Me. Well, of course, my old thing is I always want to say to people, send that to the new Dean care <laughs> of where's the money. Aman, you're making a lot of money now. Where is the kickback? <laughs> like, <laughs> But I want, Lenya, what you're saying about how COVID has changed our relationships. I mean, it's really, you know, just that opening up, mm-hmm. you know, as soon. And if we all just do a little bit of opening up mm-hmm. to especially, and it doesn't have to be pandemic people, like this can happen in everyday life, but yeah. like people that are outside your comfort zone, it can be a neighbor. It can be someone in the armed forces. It could be across religious lines, across yeah. racial ethnic lines, across gender, across uh, whatever, because that breaks down barriers faster than we all know this, but the pandemic is a great opportunity to do it. Yeah. It's funny to say that though, because it, it had two effects, right? So I think that happened and it's great that it happened for Lenya, but I also, because there were so many anti-maskers here, mm. Mm. I actually found I was a little bit, I had more fear of strangers than I had before because even, and Lenya knows this, like the few times I did go on hikes this summer or went um, out to the beach, I would go out to the beach with Harry and, and then I would see all these people not mass. And then I was like, this is not helping me calm down at all. Right. Like this it's is adding actually to adding to the anxiety because <clears throat> you go out and people weren't wearing masks and I would get in the car and I was like, okay, I'm never leaving my backyard. It is yeah. just, that is what, so. It has I been a double-edged it, sword. Yeah, absolutely. For like sure. And it also um, has been a, a, an eye opener of all the inequalities, things that, you know, you just oh, never even thought of. Oh, absolutely. All the inequalities. Um, I know several people who have multi-generational homes where mm-hmm. they live in maybe a big house with their grandmothers and, and you know, there's aunties and cousins, and 10 people living in this house. And I always thought, oh my God, that's so beautiful. You get to raise your kids together. Everybody's together. For me as somebody, you know, Outside looking in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a beautiful thing. And then COVID hits and all I'm doing is worrying about grandma because your young teenage daughter is out here, like trying to live her best life in a pandemic, bringing home COVID. And yes, this little, and, and then all of a sudden I see the, you know, downfall to having this multi-generational home where, yeah, all of you are, are living in this like house. You only have two bathrooms. And then I start to see the, how, you know, there's all these people that live in like these one bathroom situations and ba- having a separate bathroom during COVID when you're sick is such a major <laughs> importance. And I remember watching some news program about how it's such a luxury to have more than one bathroom. 
Yeah, And I never thought about that because, you know, one of our non-negotiables in buying a house was that we each had to have our own bathroom. And now I feel like, oh God, I'm such a privileged bitch because we have four bathrooms in the house. The separate rooms to isolate in, right? So you've had all those first responders and they're, what am I going to do? Because I can't go home. Because I live with my elderly parents and we do share a bathroom or I don't need, we don't have two separate places to be. And a lot of, we've just had a baby. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, the quality was big, but I also think like, then the double edged like another positive was that it slowed, it took out the shoulds. And I have, and you and I both have talked about this, like how much I've loved you get after a while confused, you know, I think with, and I talk about this all the time, like to students about there's fun time, but then not every fun time is restorative time, right? There's a lot of fun that actually is fun. There shoulds disguised as fun. So, you know, I need to see this acquaintance because I haven't seen this acquaintance in three months, you know? And so it's the right thing to do I know on the other end, I know I'll have a good time while I'm there, but I'm going to kind of dread going because it doesn't really fit in my day, but I should go. And you end up having fun, but it isn't restoring you. It is actually depleting energy. But there are other shoulds that came up. Like I have, I'm sorry to cut you off, but just something with that I have with Alex is Alex is, as you know, Type A personality, you know, and I'd be calling Alex from Havana. I know I've mentioned it every day since I've been here. I'm not type A. And she's like, well, you know, I'm reading tarot and I've started this new painting and I've actually hit, I'm having so much fun writing because now I'm writing a book and I'm two thirds of the way through. And I did this improv because I want to do a, you know, a one woman show or whatever you call it, a monologue. And so I did a workshop. So how can I do that effectively? And I'm starting a podcast because, you know, we have to start breaking down these barriers and having these conversations. And my friend Lenya, and I'm on the other end. I got out of bed. (laughs) Um, And, oh, I Mm. should be Mm. writing more. I should be taking advantage of the, why does my garden look like crap? Like the plants are still dying. I should be doing, there's all this time now. And so I felt this pressure for shoulds. Not that you put, that you are, you know, I admire you and I, I am your total champion, but I have friends who are like doing, you know, learning new languages and and I'm like, oh God, I should be doing something to advance something. I don't know. But then meanwhile, I'm just trying to stay healthy. Yeah. And that was enough for you. And it wasn't obviously because I'm I'm like, Ooh, I should have done all this stuff. Yeah, but you know, like during this pandemic, I mean, we started the podcast and I, 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 but I actually was so much busier before. And for the first few months of the pandemic, I actually became more and more depressed about how little I was doing. And there would be times when we'd come onto the podcast and it got later and later that I would actually get dressed. And Alex was oh. like, it started out that I, w- I was dressed when we were po- doing the podcast. And then it would be like, oh, sorry, I'm just in my bathrobe. I just got up. And then, sorry, uh, I just got up three seconds ago. Oh, I haven't even like got my coffee yet. And, and it just became later and later. And I, I, I stopped working out for 
almost two months. I stopped tracking food. There were so many things that I would do just my normal life that I just gave up. And I knew I should do them, but I just couldn't wrap my head around it. There was this one day that I remember going, I, I think it was the day Chadwick Boseman died. It was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I just couldn't handle it anymore. I went back to bed and cried for four hours. And then I woke up and I looked at an Instagram post by this girl who, and this is going to sound crazy, but she's one of the um, women from that show. It was that speed dating show where they all were in pods and they met and uh, love is blind. They were in love. And it's the one couple that actually, Oh, listen, if you ever want a, a show about real love, you should watch this. This is, it's called love is blind. And the one, there's only two couples that actually made it out and are still together. And the one couple is an interracial couple, black girl and a white guy. And they are the most beautiful couple ever. And you can actually, if you watch the show, pinpoint the moment they fell in love. That's how beautiful it was. They're the only ones though. Everybody else is full of shit, but you know, she, I started following her after the show and she did this post where she was putting on her makeup and she said, listen, I just want you guys to know that I'm holding space for everyone. She also was almost in tears because of the Chad McBoseman thing. She goes, it's a lot we are dealing with as black people, we are dealing with a lot and people don't seem to understand. And they keep highlighting our pain and it's just all over the news and it's all over the TV and it's all over the social media. And I just want you all to know that it's okay. It's okay. I have to put on makeup today because I have to make myself feel good. And I just looked at this post and she'll probably never know this, but that post helped me get through the rest of the pandemic because I, at, that was at that point where I felt like I can't do this anymore. I just can't watch the news anymore. I can't get up anymore. I can't do anything anymore. I'm actually feeling emotional just even talking about it because that day was so tough on me. And I'm like, I don't know Chadwick Boseman. You know, I loved his movies. He's it doesn't amazing. matter. It was just, it was too much. And it was a young man cut down in his prime it stood for a lot. And the idea that you don't know Chadwick Boseman, neither do I, but tomorrow it could be. Yeah. It could be anybody. Folks we love, (laughs) you know, that's, you know, it could be anybody, Um, but it was just like so much death and pain in the black community from the beginning of the pandemic. And then you find out how it's disproportionately affecting the black and brown communities. And then you find out, you know, this person died, police killed this person. And every week somebody was, you know, and then there was this whole thing that was underreported about how all these black people were being found lynched all around California. Right. And, you know, no one talked about that. We still don't even know how this happened. Nobody's, there's been no, you know, investigation or follow up. And so all of this is happening as well as the pandemic being stuck at home, no job, not knowing what I'm going to do, you know? And it was just like, I can't handle this. I just can't handle this. It's interesting. I wonder what everyone's like, that was your day. Yeah. Right. What right. day was that? It? Was the chat the Chadwick Boseman day was that was yours? Do you remember a day where you were? It's just this is too much. I don't remember what the trigger was, but I do remember calling my doctor mm-hmm. and like, saying I, can't, take it I can't breathe. Like yeah. I'm having trouble breathing, and my heart is racing every day, and I don't know what to do. It was maybe it was in July. Some maybe it was in July. 
And I've been open about this on the show. And he was like, you were going to put you on an antidepressant. And, and he was like, I put my wife on it. He was, I mean, he made a joke. He was like, until Trump is out of office, we should just put half the nation on antidepressants. But I got to say, so that was the moment where I was just having, I was having heart arrhythmia every day. The, the panic was real. And it was weird because it was very, it's very me in the sense I was very manic and very low and very manic and very low. And I just couldn't control my heart. And so that was the day, but I don't remember what the trigger was. Yeah. And it, I, I don't know. Do you have a day? Cumulative. Well, I've had several right. days, I guess. I mean, you guys know this, but I am a journalist. And so I'm a health journalist for the most part. And so I've been writing about COVID since January, 2020. And so my every day I wake up the emails in the, in the inbox are the latest World Health Organization report and the disparities amongst BIPOC people in the United States and the botched vaccination rollout plan in the beginning when the United States, when it was still Trump. And it just kind of, you know, I had to hold it together because it's my day job, you know, but it just kind of like drop by drop everything together. And I don't remember, I did have a breakdown when I discovered that my passport was expired and the embassy couldn't help me and that I was going to have to leave Cuba to re- renew my passport. And as it turns out, there there were like 100,000, I don't know what it is today, but there were about 100,000 US people stranded abroad because you had the transition from Trump to Biden. And, and even before, you know, there, there was so much politis that still, you know, the politics of public health, which is criminal, but, you know, Trump using the pandemic as, you know, political leverage and, and justification, et cetera, et cetera. And there were Americans stranded, U.S. people, because America mm-hmm. is from Canada to Tierra del Fuego. That's all the Americas, but folks from the U.S. stranded around the world. And I mentioned this to Alex because it was, you know, we're, we're we're trying to be more conscious of our privilege, right? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, entitlement and where are the subconscious parts and how can we be more present and supportive and active around all of these issues? And I remember thinking, wait a minute, I'm from the U.S. This is my embassy. They are supposed to, this is my right as a U.S. citizen, to have a passport. And I don't all of a sudden. And I was like, wow, check that, that little blue book. That is really, you don't need visas to go Mm -hmm. to countries. You know, it's a different experience from people all over the world. And I was like, oop, privilege and entitlement right there, feeling all angsty, bawling. I was bawling, I'm a victim of politics. You know, I was crying. And it was all just the infuriating... I. It was weird because I've lived in Cuba for 20 years. And so I am so very well aware of all the politics around the U.S. and Cuba. And it's affected me and my loved ones and my family there personally, you know, for since 1960. But this was the first time I was actually like raging against the machine that, you know, my right to travel was. And of course, intellectually, it's COVID. Etc. But they hadn't renewed the staff, the State Department staff that was in Havana. And that's still the case around, you know, it takes some time when there's yep. a transition from a Republican, you've lived abroad. So my my passport for my Australian passport is expired. 
and uh-huh. I have no way of being able to renew it right now. And has Australia, because different countries have different policies, have they announced that anyone who's a passport holder who is abroad who can't renew their passport, it'll be extended? Nope. Okay. And and there's a lot of there's a lot of politics going on between Australia and America that are affecting my family, especially my husband, who needs to get home to see his mother. He needs to get home okay, to see. Okay, that's mother. Australian U.S. relations. You don't hear much about what's happening there. It's the vaccine rollout has been super disjointed over there as well. And because you know they're an island and they've sort of been able to tap it down, they've had outbreaks here and there, they are really hesitant about letting anybody in. And you know, like we're Americans, we're like cockroaches with the way the the way that we let the pandemic rage through us. Right. Is your husband vaccinated? He had his first shot. But even with the vaccination, they are not allowing that he still will have to go through that ridiculous two-week quarantine, which he really can't afford to do because that's on a four-week. It really relates to a four-week quarantine. Yep. And if he wants to see his mother, how is he going to do, what's that, two months of being away? Yeah. And it's that's just... Connor, it's, Connor's. Yeah. And he just, he can't do that right now. Yeah. And so it's very stressful. He's very stressed. And I feel terrible because really there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. So I know what you're going through, Connor. And I also wanted to tell you my deepest condolences for your mother and for Louie. It's, yeah. Thank you. I mean, Louie was so precious. Yeah. So precious. I never got to meet him, but I guess you get to see him all the time. And I didn't get to see him after he got picked up to come out here and live his best life in LA. But he I'm definitely so was living his best life. I want you to so know. Grateful. I am so grateful to Alex and Eric and their extended family. And yeah, just that helps me, you know, breathe easier knowing that he had these guys with him. So I have a question. Does anybody have anxiety about the world opening up? Yeah, I don't want it to open up, but it's already open here in LA. What do you mean? No, I'm having, and I don't feel like people are talking about it enough. Like, I'm like, I don't have enough time in shutdown. Can we slow this down, please? I, so. I was like, can we open up as slowly? You know, I need another year. One month, we'll do this. The next month, we'll do this. And I get it. I And this is from a privileged point of view, right? I didn't lose my job. I still had work. I have my house. Like, I get it. But I am having anxiety. Like I'm getting these texts from people saying, you're vax, I'm vax, let's meet for drinks. I'm like, I'm not ready to start doing drinks three times a week. And people I don't know that well. With the variant in India, you know, this is my public health persona, but the variant in India. And also, you know, you're talking about inequities and inequalities. Lania, you know, 35% of infections this past week were in Latin America. And Latin America has got 8% of the world population. So they've got 35% of the infections and 8% of the population. And so this idea that, and there's, you know, there's vaccine breakthrough and things. And then, you know, I see the news and they're like, well, this is happening in India and this is happening in Latin America, but we're going to open up in the United States and it's okay. Well, there are planes. Yes. You know, and, and, you know, Eric said last night, yeah, but now the U.S., I guess, has prohibited flights coming in from India. But it's too late. And also yeah. <laughs> just go through Frankfurt. Yeah. And everything, yeah. you know, I it's know, like exactly. people. So the anxiety, it's interesting. I definitely have anxiety. I am not like eating indoors. No, you know, I'm very conscious of vaccine breakthrough. I know it's very minimal, et cetera, et cetera. People are getting vaccinated. It's true. But what's going to happen, and Alex touched on it, is 
now we're going to start getting social pressure. Yes. So now we can go out. And I'm like, no, I personally, and the thing, one thing that really kind of bothers me about the United States that I'm seeing that this is the longest I've been out of Cuba in 20 years. I've been here two months now is this obligation. There's like no longer opt in. Everything is opt out. And I'm like, wait a minute, give me the choice Mm -hmm. to opt in. It's exhausting. And this idea that is everything's opening up and come out for drinks and that, and it's going to get, you know, depending on what happens with the pandemic, this pressure to like, oh, you're just paranoid. You're just whatever fearful or when it's a public health, you know, it's infectious diseases. It doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. And what you're saying, like LA has already opened up. Uh, Listen, this panic that you guys are talking about, I had in November because I started working, going back to work at the mall. And so, and the more, it was the height of the of shopping the frenzy in, in Los Angeles though. And I kept thinking the mall's going to close. There's just no way we're going to be open for Christmas because it was so bad here in LA. I mean, it was like one in four people had COVID and I was like, no, the, the mall's going to close. But the Westfield family um, sued Los Angeles to stay open. And so my the anxiety I had every day going to work was incredible just because people wanted to Christmas shop. Well, I'm having, I mean, we're doing outdoor graduation. I'm going, you know, there's a plan. I am more concerned about that's a exhaustion. should. Oh, it totally, it's work. It totally is work. Especially since we talked about rituals yesterday, but one of the bullshit rituals that I don't buy into is all this stuff. I was like, but I, you know, it's so important to them that I go. Right. And it's also kind of a job requirement. So like I'm going to graduation, but I'm more concerned about the heat now that it's going to be at the Rose bowl. And I'm like, and you're, I'm going to wear a gown. I'm going to have to wear one of those academic robes They're thick and they're black. And so, and I am so naked underneath. Don't tell me about it. I am not wearing, cause you're supposed to wear kind of business casual or something nice underneath. I'm like, no, I will be wearing shorts. I will wear cute sandals, but there are going to be flat sandals because my feet are going to swell in the heat and I am going to be unfucking happy. Like I'm going to smile, but like people think this is a joyful thing. I'm doing no, this is a should. And I'm doing it for the students who, you know, who you are. I'm doing it for you because otherwise I would be like, I have a migraine. No, like I am nervous. They're, They're taking all the precautions. I'm glad we're doing it, but I have tremendous anxiety about going back to school in the fall. And I don't know what the rules are going to be. I don't think you need to worry too much, Alex. Cause I just read something very disturbing about possible another surge that might happen here in the United States. And so we may not be going for that because it's just, I mean, there are too many strains now that are resistant and until we then get a booster. And first of all, we can't even get everybody here to get vaccinated to begin with. So there was that report today that they actually think all the people who want to get vaccinated have gotten vaccinated. Yeah. So So I, I don't know if this is too much of a worry for you yet. Yeah. But I'm just trying to go with it. I mean, I'm just really trying to stay in the flow. Like I was fine. I'll go back, but it is, there are things I wanted to do this part. There is just a part of the shutdown that I do. And you're reading a lot about it. There are a lot of people who are saying there's a lot of good things that changed in my life because my life was slowed down and I don't want it to speed back up. And it's funny who I miss and who I don't, because it's, I do miss some Mm. of my acquaintances. So like this group of 
alumni, actually, that young woman who wrote that post, we would always, I would say once a month, have a Sunday brunch. And it was like with these eight incredible women who are just amazing young women. And the fact that they all stayed friends, like I don't have eight friends from law school. Do you know what I mean? That I just admire them. I miss seeing them. You know what I mean? And then there are friends. I'm not like, eh, eh, like, you know, and it's interesting how, you know. Yeah, I have that too. I have that too. I was shocked when I realized that I'm not going to the gym anymore. And then double shocked when I realized I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) You understand that was my family. Like I have people that I work out with. I still miss two of them very much. Like every workout, I think, gosh, if they were here, I'd probably go heavier because I'd be able to. But, you know. I don't miss any of them. And one of them I found out is, uh, and I should probably listen to this podcast. She's moving to Texas, which makes me worry whether I'm misjudged to begin with. Can that's such an assumption about Texas. Some of my favorite people have moved to Texas. Okay. So we can gang up on Alex here. Yeah. <laughs> not every Texan is a bad person. Not no, every, I know, I but not every Texan okay. is a bad person. I know. We're I, not saying every Texan is a bad person, but we're saying in 2021, if you're moving to Texas, there's political reasons involved or you. or you want a freer, freer situation for COVID, which also then puts you in that political situation right. makes me think I misjudged. Okay. I'm that's judged. fair. And so, I and, just and, happen to know Three I, people who did move to Texas. Five. But five. they didn't move for those reasons at all. Well, Everyone's got different reasons because for moving. They moved because That's, it was, you know, it's, there's, there are jobs there. It's cheaper. There are jobs and it's cheaper. Why? Okay. But still there are jobs and it's cheaper. And sometimes. Yeah. But so you're putting aside, you're putting aside, you're putting aside some serious. They're moving to Austin though. Come on. Okay. So, okay, let me, can I like, let me just share my story. I want to go to Austin. Yeah. Like Texas, I don't have anything inherently against Texas or Texans. And I have very dear friends that live in Texas, but I I have two words for you and they're Ted Cruz. Oh Um, yeah. (laughs) So last week, my brother, my older brother said to me that his youngest daughter, you know, is thinking about moving. She's just out of the, the Marines, as we said. And she's thinking, and where, she's right over there. Where right should anyway. I, where should I move? <laughs> and so my brother said, well, you could move to Austin. And I got so angry <laughs> and I'm trying the this new the Connor family. Like you're trying the new Lania. I'm trying the new Connor. Okay. This is, you know, this is a person I love and respect and I don't need to get angry. And I'm like, what the fuck? How can you to your youngest daughter who is opening up to you and looking for, you know, ideas and counsel, how can you suggest Texas? And he's, but it's a blue dot. (laughs) And I was like, Ted Cruz. I got so angry. I gave (laughs) the phone. The FaceTime is over for me. I gave the phone to my sister (laughs) and I walked out of the room and I was just so incensed. And my brother is, he's a great guy, you know, but I, have a really hard time getting on board that it's a blue dot and yeah. we will just create our blue dot and Ted Cruz can, or that's a stand in for anyone with power yep. 
I know who you mean. I know. But, and, and responsibility. Ooh, but advocate for a minute? Yes, and responsibility. But a how- blue dot spreads because cities always spread, and then the blue dot gets bigger, and then he gets voted out of office. So how- it is. Except, be- except they just instituted some of the worst and most stringent voter restriction laws right, so to, to stop this. Out of office. So what do you do? You get Californians to move there. That's what happens. We are a disease. We move into other states and we blew it up. Except that now we have Bakersfield with this fucking McCarthy is from Bakersfield. I understand, but that's part of the red. But L.A. is going to spread and we're going to take back over. I don't have that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit more, I get, I am you're a lot more optimistic, which is so bizarre. Connor, if you could have heard, this was a complete flip from us from before. I was so optimistic. Once um, Biden came in, I was so excited. I thought things were, were going to be so much better. And you know what? I'm feeling the Obama angst happening so much right now that the backlash and the whole craziness from the Republican Party, I so worried about midterms that Mm. and I'm like, I don't even know how I can help because I don't live in the place where they need the help. And I all I keep thinking is I don't even have enough money to throw at this. Like, I I just this is like my big worry. Midterms are going to be a nightmare. Yeah, a nightmare. I'm hopeful. Well, I'm like, this is great. I'm glad that Alex has gotten hopeful. I just wish I could be there with you. Yeah, I think I I would be more hopeful because what Alex says is right. Like the blue dot spreads, right? Yes. I think there's a bit of a, it it does, but Austin is big. Yeah, but but it's slow. Look, Georgia, the blue dot. Yeah. Well, no, and let's talk about now that Austin's getting expensive. Like what people, what's happening is that people who have moved to Austin are now moving to San Antonio is blowing up. And yeah. so now, you know what I mean? And that's how that happens, happens because Austin is now, you know, we can, I don't want to, we're not talking about gentrification today, but Austin's <laughs> been gentrified. And so yeah. now what's happening is they go there and then they go to San Antonio and they're like, oh, this is really cute and it's affordable. And that is going to become a blue dot. But how does that work when the system's rigged? When you have redistricting and things like that? Yeah, I, it still so happens a, eventually. It still happens eventually. Well, not in our life. This is how much I am oh like so God. anti-Texas. Oh, this is how much. I, this is how much I'm anti-Texas. Alex knows how much I love the Formula One, right? The oh. Formula One comes to America in Texas, in Austin, and I want to go. This is one of those bucket list things that I have to have before I die. I must go and witness a race. So Shane and I had thought, oh, we'll go to Texas to watch the race in Austin. And I had reservations. I hate Texas. I don't know, but you know what? I'll do it. It's It's a blue dot. It's a blue dot, right? And it's the Formula One. So Miami just came on board with uh, Formula One they're going to have a 2022 race in Miami. I ditched Texas so fast to go to Miami. Tickets go on sale. We're going to Miami. I would rather go to Miami than go to Texas. And Texas, we could drive to Texas. She doesn't like Florida. She loves Miami. I love Miami. Oh my God. The art. Oh, I love Miami. We, I mean, we had a I terrible. You want to go to Art Basel next, when it's in Miami? Mm-hmm. I really yes, want to go. It's, it's I desperately want to go. Okay, I've when you guys to go Art to that, Basel in Australia, let me know. 
All right. Because I, they're all like Cuban Americans that are all up in there and friends of mine and organizing and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I would love to. I've been to the Art Basel in uh, Sydney, Australia on Cockatoo Island, and it was fantastic. Really so like awesome. Do you, uh, by chance, remember, Lenya, the, the Cuban that straightened your hair in Australia? Because it's a very small, the, the Cuban population in Australia is not very large. And I actually have some Cuban friends there. I'm just. It's a guy. And I think he doesn't live there anymore. I think he okay. left. Because yeah. the, the, it's really hard to, it's really hard to be black in Australia. Yeah. Even, so there's a huge African uh, community that i um, from Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Most of my African friends are from Zimbabwe. Yeah. And they're able to, they find each other there's, and they are able to have this community. But, you know, I can also tell from them that a lot of them miss home. Yeah. It's just super hard to be different because the, because the white community, they're just, you know, they mask their racism in curiosity. And so it's kind of difficult to take, you know what I mean? It's difficult to take on a daily basis. So their little, the microaggressions. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say to them, hey, that's not on, then they they definitely put you as the angry black woman. And it's just really hard to get out from that. So it's, I know a lot of people leave. I know a lot of black African-Americans leave. They just can't, they just can't stay there. It's not easy. the immigrant experience. Well, the immigrant experience there is terrible. It's terrible. I, I love all these folks, all these politicians talking about immigrants and it's okay. Do you, it's like going to a male gynecologist for me. I'm like, you don't have, you, you don't know what you're talking about. I won't buy glasses from someone in, you know, that doesn't wear glasses. You don't know what it's like to have glasses on your face all day long. You don't know what it's like to have a vagina. You could be the best gynecologist ever, but you just don't know. It's true. Firsthand experience and the same thing with, you know, you know, being an immigrant somewhere. These are the toughest people around. If you can survive in a foreign country, you know, especially that's when actually it's- now, like that's a new topic. I want to talk about the OBGYN, how many people are comfortable. I have no, the, it's same. Not a, I'm the same. I it's like not a like, a, I'll do, I won't go I, to a man. It's, yeah. It's not either. because of embarrassment or anything like that. It's just, you don't have the equipment. Right. So, so. then I'm going to ask the, the a more complicated question. How do you choose a therapist? I know I've never chosen a therapist. All right. Me neither. Cause here's the thing, right? So I do employ, this is where, and this would be, this is a good topic, right? Because how prejudiced or biased are you when choosing doctors, especially therapists? So like in choosing a therapist, Mm. I do want, I, I do generally want somebody my own gender. I do usually want somebody who's from the East coast, because there is a different way of looking at the world. And I don't want to have to explain my view. I want somebody Mm -hmm. who's experienced my view. And I will tell you the truth. Like I am much more, I am comfortable. So, I mean, this is like that thing, that cultural affinity, right? So Mm -hmm. if it turns out like my therapist is like a white Jew from New York, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be easy. You know, (laughs) Or, you know, but it's true. Or an Irish person from New York, I would be like, oh, a black person from New York, I would be fine. You know, but then like you get all of a sudden like a totally more different ethnicity that's maybe newer to this country 
or had a different immigrant experience coming up. That's not going to really understand my family tree. Totally valid. Not to say that they're going to not connect. They might be excellent, but it's just going to take three more weeks yeah. for them to understand me. I was like, I don't want to pay for three more weeks. I did therapy. I want to use shorthand. I did I therapy in Cuba and it didn't work. Yeah. Because the therapist couldn't understand. Your context. My context and the problems that I was confronting. Yeah. Because they were not of my culture, of my origin and didn't understand like, okay, so what's the problem? Because you um, are supporting your, like, they just couldn't understand the problems because yeah, they hadn't um, ever been exposed to them or experienced them. And it was out of their cultural wheelhouse. Yeah. I mean, and as I've gotten older, that gets even, I was like, have you lived out of state? It's always my yeah. question. I was like, now I'm like, all right, I've let go that you have to be from the East coast, but have you ever lived outside LA County? Cause if you yeah. haven't, we are just never going to, we're not, my whole value system is, but it was like, like that's where bias comes in all the time. And I think we have to say that's okay. You know, yeah. and that's, and that's why, like, when we say we talk about racism in medical care, of course there's racism in medical care. We have so many white doctors, they aren't going to understand the black experience. So yeah. the black person comes in, you don't understand my context. You're not going to give me good health care. So or- I have a suggestion for all those people that are looking for a new primary care um, doctor. <laughs> you should look for a doctor that graduated from the Latin American medical school in Cuba, because there are hundreds of us people that got mm. their medical degrees, their six year medical degrees in Cuba, and they are rocking the free world up here. 85% of those graduates are people of color, um, or indigenous and they are doing projects in LA. They're doing projects in Contra Costa County, the birthing wow. project and other really great projects. And they were educated in a system where we're linking of, that we're linking that all yeah. of these kinds of issues, fascinating stuff, because clinically people of color often have, well, we know about the diabetes and all, you know, the kinds of chronic diseases that afflict. I mean, you know, it used to be like when we were young, it was sickle cell. That's the gene, et cetera. It's way beyond that. And so these doctors that were educated in Cuba have, they walk the walk, they talk the talk, and they're from the community because that was the idea for that medical school. Let's bring bright folks from U.S. communities that could never go to medical school because they're going to come out with $250,000 in debt. We're going to give them a free medical education. We are going to pull the biggest and brightest from communities, vulnerable communities in the U.S., give them a free medical education, and they make a moral commitment to go back and practice in the U.S. And so those doctors are all over the U.S. And they are award-winning. I get goosebumps. You go online and you look at these graduates and it's, oh my God, they're like revolutionizing little by little, (laughs) but, and doing great stuff around the States, so. All right. So with that, we're going to end. We've been going a while. Connor, let's Thank shout you. out your, give us your website. The website is cubalibrohavana.com. C-U-B-A-L-I-B-R-O-H-A-V-A-N-A.com. We'll put all her links in our show notes. We're going to put a link to the, the project so you can have that. Please listen to us, Women Bridging the Gap. You can find us at our website, womenbridgingthegap.com, our Facebook group, our Instagram. We're going to go on the road, even though Alex doesn't think we are. And we're going to be going on the road soon. So you're going to get to meet us. Soon? No, not soon, but soonish. Yeah, we're going to say soon in a California way. 
We're going to meet it, not in a New York way. When I say on the road, I mean video. I do not mean in person. All right. That's okay. That's true. But one day we do want to do a live show. We're going to do a live show. We're doing a live show. That's in our our future. Yes. So guys, look out. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.